Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow underway on the Friday edition. Glad you're with us across the Outkick Network, which includes this YouTube channel right now. You may be watching. If not, if you're watching on a different platform, we say thank you for that, including uh, if you're listening on this great radio partner. You can search out Outkick on YouTube. We hope you'll subscribe while you're there. Join us in the chat. Chad's not there today. Uh, the day off for uh, Chad today. He'll be back with us on Monday in what is going to be a jam-packed show. Uh, today and Monday. We've got one big thing on every NFL game coming up in 20 minutes. Michael Fabiano joins us later this hour. He will get us set, all the rosters set for fantasy football. Danny Cannell, back with us coming up in hour number two. Plus, Kelly in Vegas joins us for uh, a few segments. We'll dive into the latest lines, the smart plays, and my dumb ones. That's coming up uh, in hour number two. Plus, Merrill Hodge. We'll discuss factor backs and who he would have right now as the MVP of the NFL halfway through the season. Got uh, plenty to jump into, but the storyline is with Jim Harbaugh, Michigan, and what's going to happen now that they've boarded a, a flight to State College and we're still awaiting any disciplinary action from Tony Petiti and the Big Ten. So... Harbaugh's on the flight, boarded and, and traveled about an hour ago or so. And uh, he's on the team bus, on the drive to Detroit, then a flight to Happy Valley for, for Saturday's game against Penn State. And while we all waited on word of the Big Ten commissioner, Tony Petiti, and a decision on a penalty for the sign-stealing saga at Michigan and what the suspension would be, reports varied, uh, from a hefty fine to a, a possible three-game suspension. Michigan was kept waiting on the Big Ten to notify them of whatever penalty that they would attempt, really, to, to hand down. Even though Harbaugh's attorney, Tom Mars, said that Harbaugh would be on the travel itinerary one way or the other, the quote earlier today. And add today to the list of crazy and weird details of the last 19 days. It's a bizarre detail today, not letting anyone know if Harbaugh would be coaching tomorrow against Penn State. And timing matters due to the travel plans. If you're going to suspend Jim Harbaugh, you need to do it before today and well before travel plans and itineraries are in motion as they head to the airport. Uh, Petiti backed off, um, if, he, if he did back off, of what was expected, which was a multi-game suspension. He has cratered to the threat of court filings, just as the NCAA would do, quite frankly. And that's about the only thing comparable to the way the Big Ten has handled this and their approach to the way the NCAA has. Uh, many people are reacting to the reports of a likely suspension, which again, may be up to three games according to what Heather Dinich from ESPN has heard. And they're saying suspending Harbaugh, is, it sets an awful precedent. Everyone's doing it, quote unquote. And if, if that's true... Uh, 
that means you're not going to enforce policies and rules. If you're not going to do that, what's the point of having the rule or the policy in the first place? There's no question about the obvious NCAA rules violation here. And the Big Ten made the impression that if they're the jury, they're not going to deliberate for very long. This isn't some, the usual formula for how the NCAA conducts their, their investigations compared to the Big Ten. Because if they suspend Harbaugh, it's putting their best team at risk of not making the college football playoff. This isn't using the worst teams in the conference right now, like Indiana or Purdue, and setting an example of, hey, this could, be, this could happen to you. To all you good programs, it could happen to you. This is sending a message that it will happen to you. Or at least that's the perception. Because if Petiti comes in and suspends Jim Harbaugh as Michigan finishes what could be an unbeaten regular season, then he's willing to you know, use the gavel on anyone. And by potentially delivering a multi-game suspension, he's now put himself in a position where he has to be held to a similar standard for future issues that will arise inevitably. And the leadership at other member schools who were calling for this, coaches and others, they should be held to the same standard that they've set by demanding Michigan receive swift punishment instead of just letting the NCAA handle everything. I mean, it's a gutsy decision because they could have just kept quiet. Because even though Michigan hasn't been phased by this on the field, I mean, it is the mega powers of college football typically never, never sacrifice millions in the college football playoff revenue and the opportunity to win a national title at any cost. And that's really the big storyline that's developed out of the Connor Stallions offsite sign-stealing saga and the escapade. The Big Ten commissioner, Tony Petiti, he's opening the door for instant punishment, at least in regards to the sportsmanship policy and a failure to monitor, which is pretty much all it takes to reach this level of a fast decision. And Petiti and the Big Ten have decided to do the opposite of what is going to be a, a lengthy and weak NCAA investigation process. But is speeding up the investigation process from the conference's standpoint the right call given the spot that it now puts their commissioner in? Because the penalty is going to be based on evidence provided by 11 other Big Ten programs, at least that we know of, and other Big Ten programs leaking information to media reports, leaking info or video based on what they've received. Michigan's doing the same thing, by the way, trying to show that everybody's doing it, all in the name of this is a violation of the sportsmanship policy. And in the letter from other responses uh, from Michigan to the, to the Big Ten, there's not one mention of, we didn't do it. All it's doing is pointing to Connor Stallions, who was some rogue analyst. And yes, they broke the rules. But it's so rare for a conference to jump in and lead the way. Normally, you just sit back and let the sloths at the NCAA work with their investigation. And as Andrew Brandt said, and will say, there will be lawyers. And it's that threat that could keep this from being a harsh penalty in the eyes of many. And so the lawyers are going to win. Jim Harbaugh is also going to win. Because despite all of this, he's going to get a raise either with Michigan or with the NFL. And the truth is, if you win enough, 
You can make anything make sense. And if you aren't winning, they're going to find a way to get rid of you. So no matter the penalty, um, Petiti will send a message. Doing more than just staying silent, and while not potentially crushing Michigan, he still does more to penalize the current program right now instead of the future of the program. Or if he just decides to issue a fine, the message will be that all that's needed to lighten penalties for rules violations is simply threaten a potential or possible lawsuit or guarantee that one's going to happen. So, uh, Davey, a story that, that started with spreadsheets, travel itineraries, um, the Central Michigan sideline, and... St still not an update on that investigation. No, I was checking we, we, before the show. We, yeah, they're on the NCAA path there. Uh, it included used vacuum cleaners on Stallion's front porch. There's still nothing, nothing to directly implicate Harbaugh. At least that's been out for everyone to you know, comb through. Only that it's just under his leadership, yeah. which, uh, which failed to monitor here. And while we all agree that there's no way Harbaugh I, I wasn't aware of what was going on, uh, Petiti could attempt to, to keep him off the Michigan sideline uh, based on that. I'm pretty sure no other commissioner would respond in this same way. But it, but it's, it, it does, I and mean, it is time to respond if you're the Big Ten. At least respond to the reports that they are about to respond instead of, is he going to go to Happy Valley? Is he not? Because what we do know is Harbaugh is the head coach on a flight to Happy Valley right now for a kickoff with college football playoff implications and big-time results. And views vary, but uh, not, we were talking earlier uh, before the show, not with Michigan men. They, they have no problem with what's taking place because everybody's doing it. And, and Desmond Howard is the latest to chime in saying that, well, it's no big deal. He's, and he said without saying this directly, that no one should, what, take responsibility for their own actions? Essentially, roughly. yes, that's, that's what he's getting at. And this is, this is a broader thing. And I want people to take a step back and look at this. I know we all see everything that is going on at Michigan. We look at it from the perspective of, hey, that's not my team. I understand why I'm going to sit back and right. throw all this judgment. But at the end of the day, if you were to put your other perspective, or if you were looking at it from a Michigan perspective, or if this was your team in this situation, you would be doing whatever you wanted to defend them. You would be able to deflect, have reasoning as to why this shouldn't apply to us in this situation. And it's more than just a sports story. It's just a cult cultural problem at large for our society in general. Now, Desmond Howard, what he ended up saying was, this would never happen in the SEC. Are you telling me they would do this to Nick Saban in Alabama? Well, probably not. But that doesn't mean you still should not do the right thing in the situation. I understand they're wanting to say, well, we need to let due process play, play its way out. The bigger issue here is we have everything on tape, unless there's more that's even worse than what we know. And what we know is, right. we're considering this the biggest cheating scandal in the history of college football. And when you look at it from that perspective, we'll never know at the end of the day how much of an impact the sign stealing led to their wins versus, all right, well, maybe it was one game helped them here, and then they were able to use that run to recruit some better players and continue to, one, they, they don't play difficult schedules at Michigan. But if you're Desmond Howard, you got to just take the step back and say, 
I understand why everyone's coming at us, and I get it. You're going to sit out there, you're going to say, hey, uh, I want the Michigan people to love me by saying this is how I feel. But if you're Tony Petiti, right now, you have the chance to overtake Greg Sankey as the most powerful man in college football. But you have to make the right decision. And right now, we have no idea what he's planning on doing because they've at least kept that under wraps for the most part. I mean, he, he's standing on that precipice to where he could be the guy. They're getting four more schools, big-time programs from the West Coast coming in next year, going to be at 20 teams. And I get it. You could hurt your own program or your own conference by kicking Michigan out of an opportunity to play for a national championship by going to the college football playoff or saying they can't compete in the Big Ten. I don't think we'll get to that point just simply because they don't want to punish the current players. But a message does need to be delivered right now. And we're not getting much of anything. Yeah, but th the thing is, like, uh, what, how, how punitive of a message? Because you have two governing bodies who are likely to be very different in how they handle discipline here based on the rules violations. Well, and, 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 other... and, and, and I mean, it, it also, you have to quantify, like, uh, what you can prove and then what is likely to happen, very likely to happen, which is, Tony Petiti's already mentioned this. Yeah. He doesn't want to spend Thanksgiving in a courtroom, and, right? The Thanksgiving week. And that's exactly what's going to happen here. Well, I see at this point, unless they do nothing, I don't see Michigan just accepting that and saying, yep, yeah, we're going to go with that. So your options are don't punish them at all or punish them and end up in a courtroom. Well, or just find them. And then it's business as usual. I still which is think what they would push been. back on that. I don't I, think so. I think they would just take the fine and move on. But see, it's also a precedent that he's setting. Because if more info comes out on Ohio, like uh, Ryan Day saying like, oh, you know, uh, we cleared this through, uh, what, compliance. It's like, yeah, your compliance office, right? And, uh, it's all about what you can point back to and what's, what everyone's going to get their hands on and comb through to the point where you're actually going to take it to the commissioner, which is what happened here, and demand that the penalties are handed down. Well, the bigger problem here, too, is if this was a decade ago, I think we would actually see the NCAA step up and something would have happened by this point. The problem is we don't have anybody that's a power broker in college football that's willing to step up and actually make these decisions. That's right. why it kind of comes back to the conversation of somebody needs to take over the NCAA when it comes to regarding the sport, or re regulating and, and putting forth measures that everyone will operate under. I get it. Like you could, I'm not going to say you shouldn't cheat. I won't say that. I know in this world everyone's of college athletics, doing everyone's yeah. doing it. But and, the thing and, for me is if you get caught because you're sloppy and you don't take the necessary precautions to be smart about what you're doing, then you should be punished. Yeah. It's, that's it, simple. It's, again, it's, it's, there's no doubt the links that, they, that Connor Stallions was going to. Uh, and there's no doubt that it's more than just Connor Stallions. And that's what um, I don't think has been hammered home enough here. Um, you're not just randomly picking up people to go, uh, you know, film the sideline and then send it back to you and then let, let him decipher it if you don't trust those people, right? Yeah. And he's, it, it's for three years that he's been there, not just this season. Um, and as far as scandals go, I mean, I don't, I don't consider this a, among the, the biggest um, because I, I, I do believe, like, if we're going to call it that and re reference that, it would end up being uh, a scandal involving so many other programs. They're just not dumb enough to have this guy in Central Michigan, have their guy in Central Michigan gear, or in the Michigan gear while they're on the on the road, or keeping so 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 much detail on the travel itinerary of where he's going and where he could possibly go based on the tickets purchased. I guess to clarify a little bit more on my point, the reasoning I, I put it in that 
category as the biggest cheating scandal is because while it's not been proven, all evidence in what I have seen points to, they were giving the signs to teams that they wanted to knock out other potential playoff competitors to where they would get a rung up on the ladder. And whenever you're doing that, you're impacting not just your team, but conferences, programs throughout the country. And that's what we've seen. And so, again, it kind of comes back to, I still think there's more that we don't even know at this point but, that we're hoping to find out, and that's going to probably take longer. In so the if we're going to buy that, buy that that they were giving signs to other programs, I have to assume that the other story is true too, with Purdue and Rutgers and Ohio State. Uh, to give, if we're going to throw it back on Michigan for that, you have to look at the other programs. And now we're up to four programs within 19 days of doing it. it, it everyone's doing the the sharing. So many coaches are connected across the country. The question is how many coaches can be connected to the guy that's on the road doing exactly what Connor Stallions is doing. And even as blatant and obvious as it is with him, they still can't map it back to Harbaugh except to say it's just a failure to monitor with one of his analysts that is on the sideline in sunglasses. Coming up, one big thing on every NFL game. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us today. The Friday edition is here. Coming up, uh, Michael Fabiano joins us in 20 minutes. The latest on how to set your fantasy football rosters. We'll have the Fabs Five, the five starters, five to, to sit this week. Plus, uh, questions and comments from all viewers on the YouTube chat. We've got that straight ahead. Plus, uh, Danny Cannell will join us in about 40 minutes from now. And Kelly in Vegas plus Merrill Hodge today. Sixth and Peabody with uh, Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine getting it done. Uh, David's packed, to say the least. You and Matt today are on Harbaugh Watch. Is that what we call it? We got to think of something better than that. Yeah. I, I'll try to Connor Stallions would have something. a better name. Come back to me next segment. I'll, okay. I'll have something by then. Well, but, yeah, I mean, we're... Everyone was expecting that we'd hear something today. But I don't... I mean... I guess not, considering we're have we put a, on his way. Have we well, put a gate on this one yet? You know, like Spygate. Like, um, no, I don't. No one's Watergate. really comparing it. No one's really comparing it's really it. It's dumb to that we do that because Watergate. It wasn't like the place was just called Water. Like Watergate was the actual name of the place, but now yeah. we've just taken Gate and put it on everything else. Well, so uh, I was uh, talking with a buddy of mine earlier. Imagine if, uh, imagine if Petiti was like, uh, "Yeah, I'm going to wait until about an hour before kickoff to announce everything." Uh, they want to try to uh, have an, uh, an injunction. They're about to get one from us. Uh, I don't think that's how it goes down either. But they're, I mean, they'll, the Who announcement knows? will happen sooner rather than later. Hopefully. Yeah. Um, hopefully, we get better games across the NFL than what we had last night to kick off Week 10 between uh, the Bears and Panthers. Ugh. It is time for one big thing on every NFL game. Weekly notes, 10 rookie quarterbacks are going to start in Week 10. That's a 
new NFL record. And that makes for the obvious assumption for the Week 10 slate. It's not a ton of great games this week. Uh, yes, rookies are factoring in to this below average matchup week. But uh, it's also because four teams are on their bye, including the Chiefs, Dolphins, Eagles, as well as the Rams. We've got some really good teams that aren't on the field for what is going to be uh, some bad matchups as we roll through them. The Colts are four and five. The Patriots are two and seven. New England and Indianapolis in Germany. Bill Belichick has never lost in Europe. He's three and zero. And although Gardner Minshew has started 41 games in his career, he has never faced Bill Belichick. And there's no one better, really, than Belichick at confusing uh, opposing quarterbacks whenever he's facing them for the first time. If you buy into you know, the, the rumor mill and the, the gossip in Foxborough in Boston, Bill Belichick needs to win this game. I just don't buy into it. Mainly because if you're going to fire Bill Belichick, I would just try to trade him in the offseason. To me, that makes sense. I just saw that Shane Steichen and the Colts are the only team to score 20 points or more in every game this season. Do you think the uh, Patriots are going to be able to get over that hump? Uh, I think so, yeah. I think, I think the Patriots win this game. Mainly because Gardner Minshew's facing Bill Belichick for the first time. But I understand what you're, where you're going with that. The, the Patriots also have to score. Uh, the Browns and Ravens can put up points, but they also play great defense. Cleveland leads the NFL in total defense. And just behind them, Baltimore at number two. The over-under for Sunday, uh, no matter where it is right now, I would take the under heading into Week 10 because you've got the top defenses and then you're also considering how great the AFC North has been. All of the teams are at least two games above 500, which marks the first time that's ever happened this late in the season since divisions were realigned in 2002. No four-team division, by the way, has ever sent all four of its teams to the playoffs. But right now, all four would be in and be playing in mid-January. Baltimore beat down Cleveland 28-3 back in week four. And that was the Deshaun Watson game where, or warm-up where he decided not to play due to a shoulder injury. And he sits back and he looks to lead the Browns to a victory over a Baltimore team that's just 6-9 and nine in division play since the start of 2021. And uh, a, a note that I didn't even realize until earlier today, Odell Beckham Jr. is facing, he's matching up against the Browns for the first time since he left. He says there's no animosity. I say that's because Baker Mayfield's in Tampa. Uh, Texans on the road in Cincinnati. Four and four is Houston. Bengals are five and three. Cincy is playing great. And they face a showdown in Baltimore next Thursday night. But can't overlook Houston, even though the Texans, they listed 23 players on their injury report this week. But the Bengals are banged up. T. Higgins has been ruled out. Jamar Chase seems like a game-time decision. No word as of today on his status. They're going to have him go through warm-ups on Sunday. Rookie quarterbacks with at least 2,500 passing yards in their first nine career starts. Justin Herbert, Andrew Luck, Cam Newton. C.J. Stroud can join this list and become the fourth on the history list here for 2,500 over nine games played. Third overall pick, Will Anderson, by the way. 30 tackles, only two sacks. And they need to put more pressure um, and more will be needed from him as they take on uh, Joe Burrow and, and company. 
Uh, by the way, Houston, if they can pull the upset here, the only teams after the game against Cincinnati, the Jaguars and Browns are the only winning teams left on Houston's schedule currently. 49ers are back from a bye. They're five and three. Jags coming back from a bye. Six and two. It's a game that felt like should have been flexed into primetime this week. Jaguars hottest team in the NFL. They're winners of five straight games. It's the longest winning streak of any team. But also, there's a losing streak for San Francisco. Three straight losses. But we're going to see the debut of Ch uh, Chase Young, a defensive end. And Trevor Lawrence needs a, a great game from his offensive line if the Jags want to beat San Francisco for the first time in 18 years. They haven't beat San Francisco, Davey, in 18 years. Jacksonville. Wow. They've had some bad teams, but... That's a while. Jags have won and covered in five straight games. I know that much. Um, Brock Purdy, can you just protect the football? He should be able to against the Jaguars secondary, but he's committed six turnovers the last three games, and five of the six turnovers are, are interceptions. And if you compare that to his first 10 regular season starts, he didn't throw an interception, and they were 10-0. But since then, they've lost the past three. Um, the 49ers are 0-37 under Kyle Shanahan when trailing by eight points or more in, in, late in the game. I I never would have expected that, given the offensive firepower that they have. I guess it goes to show you not having a solid quarterback that you can rely on to bring you back. Yep. Saints and Vikings in Minnesota. Vikings are closing in on the Lions. Minnesota now sitting at 5-4, and four, riding a four-game winning streak. Minnesota currently holds the NFC's third wildcard spot, and they have a favorable schedule leading up to, to two games in the final three weeks. They'll face Detroit um, in those two games of the final three. That could just decide the division race. And to make it to the playoffs, the Vikings, they, they've got to improve in their, in their rushing offense. They're 29th in the NFL right now. And, I mean, Dobbs was leading the way last week. 66 yards and a scramble against the Falcons. Derek Carr... Needs to step it up to winnable game. I say for both teams here, Packers and Steelers in Pittsburgh, four of Pittsburgh's five victories this season have come in games where they've trailed heading into the fourth quarter. Uh, the win over Los Angeles for Green Bay, Jordan Love's first game without an interception since week two. And now he faces a defense that is third in the NFL in takeaways. Steelers have 16. I'm taking Pittsburgh. I'm with you. Taking Pittsburgh and the under. Uh, Jordan Love has not been reliable, and I would imagine that Steelers defense is going to be able to get at him early and often. Bucks are hosting the Titans on Sunday. Both teams desperate for a win, uh, at least for, for Tampa's chances. The NFC South is mediocre. A really bad team's going to win that division. Jacksonville's going to win the AFC South. The Bucks have lost four in a row, which is their longest skid since 2019. The Titans have dropped three of their uh, last four. Uh, and that was following their 2-2 two and two start. And they have not won a game on the road this season. And the Titans' run defense is certainly vulnerable. And Rashad White, I think you have on your team, Davey. I, I do, yep. I, I mean, the thing I'm looking forward to here is we saw C.J. Stroud just absolutely light up that Bucks defense last yeah. week. Is Will Levis in a situation where he'll be able to really set the world on fire? We it's also saw Baker Mayfield light up the Houston defense, too. This could be a, a high-scoring game. I may hit on that later mm. in the show. Falcons and Cardinals uh, kick off your late afternoon slate. Kyler Murray, one of his biggest strengths during his first four seasons was his ability on the run, scrambling. But how much would the Cardinals want him to be 
exposed to big hits coming off such the, uh, the, the injury like a, an ACL. Meanwhile, the Falcons have two of the NFL's top 10 leaders in receiving yards among tight ends. Hello, Arthur Smith. Jonu Smith and Kyle Pitts. Uh, no other team has two tight ends among the top 20. And the, the Falcons wow. have two in the top 10. Cardinals on the six-game losing streak. Lost to the Browns 27-0. They had a 1-13 in 13 record in games where Kyler Murray missed. 1-13. I, I, I like Arizona here. I've, I've activated uh, Kyler Murray off IR, so... Are you no starting? one cares about fantasy, but yeah. The, the thing for me in this game, though, is the Falcons have yet to lead at halftime this season. Oh, they've always trailed or tied? Trailed or tied, yep. That's not good for Arthur Smith either. Uh, Lions and Chargers also this week. Chargers offense, they're underachievers. And that's really evident since Mike Williams uh, was lost in week three. Defensively, every position group um, has shredded the Chargers. And Detroit can do that here. Sam Laporta, uh, St. Brown, all of Detroit's running backs. Solid matchups for week 10 uh, for the Lions. The Giants on the road against the Cowboys. Cowboys 5-3. and G-Men are rolling with Tommy DeVito at quarterback against a red-hot Dak Prescott. And the defense and the special teams for Dallas that beat them up 40-0 in week one with Daniel Jones. Commanders hit the road against the Seattle Seahawks. Commanders are 4-5. and five. Seattle's 5-3. and three. Is this an upset alert? Geno Smith is on a four-game skid here where he's thrown six interceptions and he's also been sacked 11 times. And Seattle has scored 20 points or less in three of those four games. Sam Howell is a big pick to have a great week uh, in the passing department. And that's because, well, they're facing Seattle's secondary. It's not good. And uh, Sunday Night Football, Jets, Raiders. Why haven't the Jets tried to play Trevor Simeon at quarterback? Robert Sala would not answer that question when he joined the Michael K show, where he literally said he had to plead the fifth. The Jets, the only NFL team in the Super Bowl era to have their defense collect five or more sacks, hold an opponent to under 200 total yards, and not allow any plays for 25 yards or more and still lose the game by 20 or more points. I look at this one. I mean, I they, saw the Chargers give up, or the Chargers had eight sacks on the Jets last week. Eight. That helps pad the stats. It's not bad. Raiders, by the way, they've allowed the most rushing yards to running backs. This is a Jets running game, though, that has not had success since week five, really. If they're going to run the ball, this is the week to do it in Sin City. Finally, uh, Monday Night Football, Broncos at Bills. Many people are worried about Buffalo. Count me as one of those. This is a, a, a must-win for Sean, McDerm Sean McDermott's team. And it, it is a time-to-shine game for Josh Allen and a Bills offense that averages 26 points per game. But Buffalo, they need this one. And they then host the Jets next week. And then it's a crucial six-day stretch here that starts Monday night. Because right after these two games, they have trips to Philadelphia and Kansas City on the road. Josh Allen, he leads all quarterbacks with 24 total touchdowns this year. 18 of those are passing. And he has uh, at least 
one touchdown pass and one rushing touchdown in six of his past seven games. But this is a Denver defense, Davey, that's played three strong games in a row of stopping the opposition. And they're, by the way, two of those were against Kansas City. I mean, they're starting to turn things around. I, I know Sean Payton didn't exactly come into the best situation, and he made the comments uh, for the offseason about Nathaniel Hackett make it look like, oh, this is so easy, and obviously they were struggling early. But they've actually looked competent on both sides of the ball the last couple of weeks. Yeah, they're protecting the football. Russell Wilson's he's thrown 16 touchdown passes to just four picks. The problem is he has also thrown for less than 200 yards in each of the last four games. Uh, take the under here, too. Whatever it is. Take yeah, the under every week, right? I, I'll go ahead and, and throw this one out there. So after last night, the under in primetime games this year, 23-7. and seven. It's a 76.7 win percentage. The under's where it's at. Get down with the under, not just in week one this year. Quarterback plays awful. And it was awful, by the way, before we're about to see 10 rookie quarterbacks start. Last night's offensive, I mean, the lineup, the starting lineup, maybe the worst collection of two teams with offensive, quote-unquote, skill position players that we've ever seen. It was a disaster. Hopefully you didn't start them in your fantasy league. Michael Fabiano tells you who to start. That's next on Hot Mike with Hunter Withrow across the Outkick Network. Hot Mike with Hunter Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. During the break, news be reported that Michigan coach Jim Harbaugh will be prohibited from being on the sideline until the conclusion of the regular season as the investigation from the NCAA on the sign-stealing uh, continues. This coming from the Big Ten. He will be allowed to coach during the week. This is the, uh, the similar setup, and I'm going to get to a detail and a word in just a moment, the similar setup of what was self-imposed by Michigan on the three-game suspension to begin the season, um, where he was at practice, he coached, he just wasn't at the game. Davey, this leads me to believe, based on the way this reads... Um, he's, they're going to prohibit Jim Harbaugh from being on the sideline for the rest of the regular season. Can he be in the booth? It's a good question. He can uh, coach during the week. Can he be in we, the booth? We don't have that. I think he's on the, he's on his way to happy Valley right now. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, he, I don't expect him to turn around. Uh, still waiting for more on this, but as of right now, yeah, just Pete Thamel's the one putting this out. So hopefully the big 10 will just release that statement from their own Twitter account soon, and we'll know exactly what the rules and limitations are to this suspension. Yes, uh, more details uh, coming up. But again, it's um, they're they're going to continue the investigation, but it's just through the regular season that he's not allowed on the sideline. I'm just read just the straight tweet here from Pete Thamel real quick. This will open. Big Ten is expected to discipline Mich Michigan coach um, Jim Harbaugh for the in-person scouting and ongoing sign-stealing investigation. And this all comes down as the uh, the plane is currently in the air. Craziness. There's consequences, but, I mean, again, I want to know if he's going to be at the game or not. And honestly, it may not even matter if he's going to be a part of the game plan because it doesn't change really the, the game day uh, necessity of play calling on either side of the football. Let's say hello to Michael Fabiano, who joins us, Sports Illustrated's fantasy football expert, our, our fantasy football expert, all of us. 
uh, tells us who to start, who to sit. Michael, good to see you, man. Hope things are well. All is good, my man. Um, didn't really have any assets going last night in that uh, awful uh, football uh, game. Same. Call it. Same. Uh, <laughs> I, I, right before you came out, I said that may be the worst collection of skill position talent in an NFL game that I've watched. The NFL's got a quarterback problem. The NFL's got uh, an injury problem. And the NFL's got an officiating problem yeah. that they're going to have to uh, look into after this season is over. And somehow uh, they don't have a ratings problem. I know. When when quarterbacks get hurt, though, that is the worst thing for the NFL. And um, we have had more than our share of those sort of injuries so far this season. Believe it or not, 10 rookies are starting this week. Uh, there are some good quarterbacks playing this week, even though Miami's on a bye, Kansas City's on a bye, Philadelphia's on a bye. Let's get to your starters, your starting demands. Where, where do we start at quarterback for you? Let's start with Jared Goff, who's on the road. And typically when he's on the road, I don't want anything to do with him. But against the Chargers, in what should be a high-scoring game, I will absolutely start Jared Goff. Remember, he started his career with the Rams in L.A. He's going to want to come back and, and put up a good line. So this is a nice matchup for Jared Goff. Get him into your lineup. I like Javante Williams this week. In the week before the bye, he had 27 carries. I hope that continues because that's massive volume and a real increase from what he had done earlier in the season. Uh, and the matchup against Buffalo is not uh, is not a bad one. Uh, they've allowed 13-plus fantasy points to seven running backs this year. I'm starting Najee Harris. This is the first time I think wow. I've had Harris as a start yep. all year long. His last three games, double-digit points, uh, over 14 in two of those games. He's got the Packers this week. Good matchup. So both Najee and Jalen Warren are worth a look. At wide receiver, Brandon Ayuk, who is not putting up great numbers lately, and Debo Samuel's coming back. Don't let that deter you from starting him against Jacksonville. Uh, they've allowed the second most points to perimeter receivers this year. And then finally, DeAndre Hopkins. Did you see what the Texans did to Tampa Bay last week? Uh, their wide receivers went off, and I would expect Nuke to have a good game this week. And if you play DFS, Will Levis is a pretty reasonably priced player. If you're looking to go cheap at the quarterback position, again, really good matchup. Call me crazy. I think we'll actually see some points in that game uh, for this NFL season. Um who are you sitting at quarterback? Let's start with Deshaun Watson, okay. who has actually been better than I think people realize. He has played four full games this year. In three of them, he has had more than 18 points. In two, he's gone over 20. But, I mean, the Ravens have given up the fewest fantasy points to quarterbacks over the last four weeks. Their defense is very good. I think this is a low-scoring game. I'm sitting Deshaun Watson. I've got Saquon Barkley on this list. Now, I get it. You, you, you got probably got to play him. But there is nothing going in Saquon's fortunes this week. Think about it. Their quarterback is Tommy DeVito, <laughs> third string guy. Their offensive line is Swiss cheese. They have no good receivers. Darren Waller's out. And they're playing arguably the best defense in the league on the road. So Saquon could be in a lot of trouble this week. I know you probably got to play him in DFS. Don't pay up for him. Uh, I've got James Cook as a sit. And he's going to be started in a lot of leagues because when you look at the matchup, the Broncos have actually given up the most points to running backs, but not lately. Over the last four weeks, they're giving up 19 points per game to that position, which is one of the lowest totals in the league. So they have fixed that running back problem. Uh, Cook is probably a risk-reward flex. Another big name on this list, Devontae Adams. Check this out. In the last five weeks, 60, 6-0 wide receivers are averaging more fantasy points than Devontae Adams, wow. including... Khalil Shakir, Jake Bobo. I mean, it's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, 
And I get it. Like Devontae Adams is really hard to sit, but if you separate the name from the numbers, he's not even a guy that you would have in your starting lineup. They've got the Jets this week. They've allowed the fewest points to perimeter receivers, including no touchdowns. Now in a sideways season, watch Adams will go off this week, but I just look at the numbers and follow the process. And the process says to me, if I have wide receiver depth, it's not crazy to bench Devontae Adams. Uh, also going to fade George Pickens this week. His numbers have gone down since Deontay Johnson's return. Now, the Packers do have some injuries in the defensive backfield, including uh, uh, Jair Alexander, which is a good thing for Pickens. But overall, he's really no more than a risk-reward flex because the targets have not been there the last couple of weeks. And I kind of think this is going to be a lower-scoring game. Michael Fabiano, our guest, the expert for Sports Illustrated and beyond uh, for all things fantasy football. Uh, viewer submission, Josh Dobbs or Kyler Murray? I, you know what? I know Kyler hasn't played in a while. I'm playing Kyler. I've been waiting for him this long. I'm not going to sit him on my bench, especially when my alternative is Dobbs. With, with knowing that, how optimistic should, should fantasy owners be about Hollywood Brown moving forward? Really optimistic with Kyler back. He's got a really favorable schedule, especially in the fantasy playoffs. So I would say that I might want to trade for Hollywood Brown right now before his value goes up. Amari Cooper is coming off his best game of the season last week against the Cardinals. This week, Baltimore. Um, do you hesitate there to, to buy into what we saw last week based on the matchup with the Ravens? I hate the matchup, but you'd have to be pretty deep at wide receiver to sit Amari Cooper, yeah. uh, to be quite honest with you. So I'd probably still play him. I have him in a league, and I'm probably going to end up playing him, hoping for uh, a good response to this really bad matchup. Uh, but if you've got Michael Pittman, maybe if you've got uh, Tyler Lockett, uh, a player like that, maybe you've got Tank Dell who's going to be a prominent member of the Texans wide receiver core this week, maybe even more than last week because Nico Collins is hurt. You know, maybe guys like that, you could you could start over them. But overall, it's probably going to be really tough to bench Amari Cooper. You, meant, you mentioned earlier, uh, bench Saquon Barkley if you can. Tony Pollard, though, on Sunday, uh, as the Cowboys face the third worst run defense of the New York Giants, this is a Tony Pollard game day. Let's hope so. Um, as a as a Dallas Cowboys fan of about okay. 40 about years, yeah. uh, <laughs> maybe more, I'm hoping for that. He had a good game against the Giants in week one. He had 22 fantasy points. The, the schedule is going to get better for Pollard. I think what's happened to Tony is, well, first off, he misses Zeke insofar as he, he's not a guy who's, who's a true featured back, Derrick Henry, Zeke type of player. And the Cowboys really don't have, you know, that that number two running back like they had with Zeke last year, even though he, he was certainly not the same back he had been in previous seasons. Uh, his his long runs have been decreased, you know, the yards per carry average. But also look at the, the Cowboys opponents. Played the Niners, really good run defense. Played the Eagles, really good run defense. And then in the other games, the Cowboys killed the Giants. They killed the Jets. They killed the Rams. Uh, they, they've been squashing teams. They killed the Patriots. And when you're in a game script like that, you don't have to run the ball in the second half. And that might be the case this week against the Giants, but I do think that Tony Pollard will get going this week. Uh, so certainly a guy that you're going to play. Bijan Robinson and his usage right now. Is that the biggest surprise to you of what we've seen of the, the rookies coming in? To me, it is based on who the head coach is and the direction that they want that offense to go. Yeah, I don't know why they're drafting offensive players in the first round if they're not going to use them. I mean, Kyle Pitts, same kind of thing. Like, where are the targets? And this is going on for, you know, three years now. And with Bijan, I, I am surprised. Typically when a running back gets drafted that high, 
he's locked and loaded into being a top 10 fantasy running back. That's been really the trend. Um, so, and maybe at the end of the season, he's a top 15 back, you know, we'll find out. Uh, Tyler Algier is hurting him. He's, he's hurting him near the goal line. You know, he had that one game where he was, you know, suddenly ill and didn't play barely at all. And that hurt his numbers over the last five weeks. He's averaging like nine points a game, but that does include that game that he barely even played. Yeah. Good matchup though, this week against the Cardinals, good schedule the rest of the way. I'd be trading for Bijan right now. Final thing for you, uh, among the the plays, the Titans wide receiving core against Tampa. You mentioned DeAndre Hopkins. Is there another play that you would recommend of their wide receiving group at all? No, because Traylon Burks is hurt, so yeah. he's not going to play. I'm not going to tell you to play Kyle Phillips. Uh, I'm not going to tell you to play Nick Westbrook or Keenan unless you want to go real cheap in a DFS uh, a classic slate. Maybe Che Gakonkwo. That's possibly a, I am desperate for a tight end and he's on the waiver wire type of play. Unfortunately, the Titans do not have much behind New Hopkins in that passing. No, no. And it comes down to me, which defense do you trust more, which is a hard answer, uh, given what we saw from Tampa last week and the Titans have been bad yeah. in that area as well. And uh, Based on the defensive trust, that's the quarterback that I would start, Baker or uh, Levis, like if you have both there. Hey, uh, always great to have you on, man. Wonderful insight as always, and uh, look forward to this each week. Thank you. All right, have a uh, very good week 10. Good luck. Yep, same to you. Uh, he always has a good week. Michael Fabiano, the fantasy football expert. He joins us weekly. Uh, so here comes a legal battle. Michigan against the Big Ten and Tony Petiti. Uh, barring an injunction, uh, Harbaugh, is going to be sidelined for Penn State, Maryland, and Ohio State. Davey, he's the news coming out uh, just uh, minutes ago that Harbaugh is suspended for the final games of the regular season, but he's, he, he's not allowed to be on the sideline with Michigan. So have you seen anything recently that clarifies no. if he could be in the booth? I, I, maybe I'm just looking, you know, trying to read between the lines too much there. But it's very specific that he won't be allowed to be on the sideline. And, I mean, we, we know he's in air right now. They're yeah. currently en route to Happy Valley. And he'll be in that building on Saturday or tomorrow. Like I, I just I, – like that. it's one of those things. You can't be on the sideline. I mean, are they going to bar him from being in the locker room pregame? Is he well, still able to talk to his team? Because it's not like it was very specific for Michigan earlier this year. He wasn't going to be a part of the team on game day. Yeah. To the point where he he wasn't even going to watch the game. That's what he said and, for and week the, one. The Thamel report right now just says won't be on the sidelines for the remainder of the right. regular season. And right. that's again, it still says expected is what the punishment's going to be from him. We've we've yet to hear officially from the Big Ten. I, the thing for me here is it's not like he's one of these coaches that if you don't have him, you don't have your offensive play caller. You're having to go to somebody else. I mean, well, but he's going to be able to coach during the week. That's the crucial part of it. He can prepare his team during the week uh, if, in fact, he's going to be a sideline, quote unquote, uh, for the final three games, which you're right. I mean, here comes the legal battle and a possible injunction. Yeah. And I guess with that news coming down, like they'll, they'll be able to, to get it done between now and oh, yeah. noon Eastern tomorrow. It's like having, uh, you know, the uh, notary. On standby. But that's not that intensive a punishment if it's simply you just can't be on the sideline. Yeah, like, no, I, I would stay away from even trying to go farther into saying 
we're going to fight this. Well, there's got to be more to it, but as far as the discipline for Harbaugh specifically, the report is he's going to be sidelined until the conclusion of the regular season. Danny Cannell weighs in on this development next.